Yes! Isn't that awesome? Give him a hand and give yourselves a hand in the process. Sometimes I think that following Jesus is just like that. And I have to say that if you are following Jesus, I can predict the future. This may be your year. This is maybe what it looks like. Um, one of the things that I know is that when I'm following Jesus, that he always takes me to my limits and he asks me to grow past my comfort zone. So I have a question for you, which is, when was the last time that you did something for the first time? When was the last time that your heart was pounding and you were unsure of how it was gonna turn out? I know that for me, the last time that I can think about was when we were on our trip to Greece with the church and we were in Athens. And I was so excited to be there. It was so beyond what I could have even imagined for my life. And we were at Mars Hill and I got to do the devotion. I got to do the devotion. It was where Paul preached to the Athenians in Acts 17. And I was so excited, couldn't even believe I was there. And so afterwards, so we, I like did the devotion down and then we, we climbed up Mars Hill. And in my mind, I'm thinking it's like a grassy hill, right? It's not a grassy hill. It is like stone marble that has been worn down to slick stone over the years of millions of people being on it. And so we climbed up and there's no rails. And we climbed up and I thought, this is a terrible idea, it was super windy. And my husband's like, we're gonna film a video up here. And I was like, that's a great idea. And I'm like, this is a terrible idea. And I kind of felt like that kid. My heart was pounding, I was doing the video, and I thought, and I ha in my mind, I'm thinking the same things. Like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I think I might fall and kill myself. Oh no, this is fantastic. I might, might break my head open in just a moment. And then, right afterwards, Pastor Dennis says, sit down and we'll take a picture. And we took a picture, and beautiful picture, right? Doesn't even look real. Doesn't even look real. And what I love is that my heart was still pounding then. And it didn't really stop until I got down off of Mars Hill. When was the last time you did something for the first time? The last time that you stepped out of your comfort zone? Because it's not always, it's always a little scary, but it's not always fun scary. Sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes it's hard scary. And I remember when I was in Bible college, one of the things that we did was every Saturday, we did bus routes. And what that meant was that we would go down to South Phoenix and we each had our own project, like two or three of us in a bus. We had our project and we would go knock on the doors every Saturday morning and we would invite kids from age two years old to about 14 to kids' church. And then like 20 buses would meet at this church down in the inner city and we would do kids' church. It was madness and it was exhausting. And most of the time, it was awesome. But one day, on the way home, I don't know what happened to my bus leaders that were with me, because I was on the bus by myself, and all I had left was three preteen boys to drop off, and they were just giving me so much trouble. They were cussing at me, they were cussing at each other, Th they were throwing gang signs outside the back of the bus. I had to sit on one to make him stop, and I was like, I'm so done with this. When I got home that night, it was hot and sweaty and dirty, and I stank, and I was like, God, what is this for? What's the purpose of this? Why am I doing this? And I'll never forget when he dropped this phrase in my heart. He said, because there's more in you than you know. There's more in you than you know. 
And when you're following Jesus, he absolutely takes you on the ride of your life. And it is an adventure of a lifetime because he knows what's in you more than you do. And as we look at this verse that we're coming to, we're in week three of Philippians, we have to realize that we all get comfortable where we're at. We all contend to settle. But God knows you. He knows what he put in you more than you do, and he has more for you than you even realize. And so in week three, we're, in, um, we're picking up right where Pastor Corey stopped, and it's Philippians 2, verses 12 through 16, and we're starting up, and we, this verse, this whole group of verses, is really about this, that there is a great adventure that God has for you, but it's gonna take some faith. And it's gonna make you uncomfortable. But God wants you to experience. Paul was sending this letter to the church in Philippi. And they were going through a tough time. They were being persecuted. They were having trials. And he tells them that he wants them to persevere. And this is how it starts. It is Philippians 2.12. And he says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, like not when he was like, I was there with you, but even now, how much more in my absence continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And when you take this verse, and this is a tough verse to understand, so I want to break it down for you. Because I know that when I first read this verse, I read it as a rule. That therefore, as you've obeyed, to, um, they, I would have to work it out myself, but the therefore is there for a reason. And that reason is this, what is it? What is it there for? What came before it? So I wanna remind you of what comes before it because you have to read this verse in context or you'll miss the amazingness that God has for you. Last week, Pastor Corey talked about the servant life and in chapter two, in verse five, it says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then Paul goes on to say that Jesus, who was in the very nature God, made himself nothing, gave up all his rights, became a human, and died, even the death on the cross. And therefore, even though he made himself the lowest, God is lifting him up to the highest. He is the name above all names, that at his name every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Therefore, so that context is therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And to work out doesn't mean you have to do the work. Well, now you got it, you're gonna have to make it work. You're gonna have to make your salvation work. No, it means this, to bring to completion. It means to continue the process. Work out your salvation, which basically means don't quit. Don't quit. Work it all the way out, because you don't even know what God put in you, but he does. You don't even know why God redeemed you, but he knows what's in there that you don't. So when it gets hard, when it gets frustrating, when it gets scary, don't give up. Take the salvation, the gift of God, this love that you have because of what Jesus did, and continue. Do not give up. And then the fear and trembling. It says that 
to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What it means is this, to take seriously your humility and accountability to God. To take seriously this great gift that you have. And it isn't as much about being afraid of God. I was always afraid that God was gonna punish me when I was bad, because that's what I was taught about God, that he was waiting for you to break a rule and then you were gonna get punished. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus took my punishment. So I can stand before God in Christ and know that I'm fully accepted, fully loved, and I can't believe it's possible. And so I can have humility in going, thank you, take it seriously coming before God and trembling. Trembling for what? That maybe I'll miss out on what God has for me if I quit. To work out your salvation with fear and trembling is you don't even know why God saved you, but he does. And if you quit, what does the world miss? What do you miss? Maybe what even, what does your family miss? But then you have to go on to the next verse in context, because it makes a lot more sense. Verse 13 says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Keep this up here for a second. So here he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. God's role in all of this is this. The role that God plays is that he does the work for you. He does the work in you. He did the work for you on the cross, and he does the work in you. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God started a work in you and he's going to complete it. But so often he starts the work and I'm like, I got it from here. I can do it. And then I get tired and exhausted. And I go, I can't do it. And he's like, that's okay. <laughs> you can't do it, but I can. When you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit does a work in you that you cannot do yourself, and he is the one who will complete it. So he does the work in you. The second thing is that he changes your desires. It says that it is God who works in you to will and to act. That will is that he actually changes your desires. It's a different kind of life. Romans 12.2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. It doesn't say be transformed by renewing your mind, like by you re renewing your mind, like you're gonna get there, I'm gonna think positive thoughts, I'm gonna you know, get up in the morning and have good goals, there's nothing wrong with that. But the work that God does in you is to be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind as you have a relationship with God. He does the work, he transforms you. So he does the work in you, he changes your desires, and the third thing is that he changes your actions. He says that for it is God who works in you to will and act. I love Galatians 2.20, this is Paul. And Paul says this about his life before Jesus and after it, he says this, 
I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That is your actions, because what do we do with our bodies? We live, we breathe, we go to work, we help people, we do what God's called us to be. It is how you act. He changes how you act. He changes your desires and he changes your actions. And the fourth thing is that he gives you new purpose. This is God's role, he gives you new purpose. I love that it says, in order to fulfill his good purpose. I wanna ask you, do you know that God has a good purpose for your life? Do you know that he has a purpose for you and it's good and it's valuable and it's needed? We need it, the world needs it, your family needs it. He has a good purpose for you. Romans 8, 14 and 15 says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. The spirit, rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Because you see, when you come to Jesus and you trust him, it is not about a better life, it's about a brand new life. And he gives you new purpose because you're in a new family. You have a brand new family. And not only that, he says that you're adopted to sonship. And ladies, this includes us. Because what this means is this is the firstborn son that inherits, inherits everything. And because of Jesus, because of the spirit of God in us, he says, you're adopted to inherit everything. In the kingdom of God, you have a new purpose. You have things to do. God has a place for you here. You have a new person. God's role, a new purpose. God's role is that he does the work in you, he changes your desires, he changes your actions, and he gives you new purpose. You know, when we think about salvation, when we think about that word, most of us think, well, Salvation is about knowing that when I die, I will go to heaven. But I love what Dallas Willard says about this. This is what he says. He says, the gospel is less about how to get the kingdom of heaven, how to get into the kingdom of heaven after you die, and more about how to get the kingdom of heaven in you before you die. That's what this life is. This isn't a wait until you die so you can experience all God has for you. It's a you don't have to. Your old life died anyway. Now you have a new life in Jesus and he has so much for you to experience. It's about living in the kingdom now. It is about eternal life now. It is about breathing and moving and living all that God has for you to experience and he has so much for you to experience, so much. And so much of us miss out on it because we get comfortable. And we, when we settle, we do the same thing. But there's so much, and sometimes we can't even imagine what so much looks like. It reminds me of taking my kids to Disneyland. Now, I have a history with Disneyland that you need to know. I grew up 45 minutes from Disneyland. I thought everyone had a Disneyland 45 minutes away from their house. 
Like, I have more memories there because from the, before I could remember I was there, all the way through high school, I went to two grad nights there, and then I married a man whose husband, I mean, I married, well, I married a man who became my husband. <laughs> Does not have a husband. He has a wife. I married a man whose family would go to Disney every year. They took a family vacation every year to Disneyland. And so, in fact, he asked me to marry him at Disneyland on Splash Mountain. Right? It was good. It was fun. We, like Disney, and so when we um, had kids, we took our kids to Disney. And when they were babies, um, we took them on the kiddie rides. We spent lots of years going on Small World and Winnie the Pooh <laughs> and wandering around all of Toontown. And for my boys, I have two boys, that was Disneyland to them. And it was awesome. They were like, this is great. But their dad and I knew there was so much more for them to experience, right? But they had to grow into it. You gotta take it one step at a time. And I'll never ever forget the first time that we took Justin, my oldest, on Indiana Jones Adventure. <laughs> he finally was tall enough to go on and we were like, let's take him. Okay, my husband was like, yes, take him. The mom and me was like, oh, I don't know if he's ready. I mean, it's really scary. There's big snakes and there's fire and it's really kind of a rough and tumble. It's dark. There's like spiders and I don't know if he's ready for this. And my husband's like, no, he's ready. He is tall enough and he is ready to go. Do you know that God will ask you to do things before you think you're ready? And so we took Justin on. The queue was really cool, and he loved all the interactive parts. He was, like, real excited. We sat down in the vehicle, buckled him in. Putting, I think both of us probably put, like, our arms, like, around him just to make sure. He was little. Um, and he was real quiet through the whole ride. We got off, and we walked out, and I said, what did you think? And he said, that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> How could you do that? And he cried and he complained for the next like four or five hours. I really thought like we would be walking and he'd be going, I can't believe you did that to me. It was so scary, it was dark. And I really thought we broke our kid. I was like, we broke him and he's gonna be in therapy for years. I was, I was really worried about it and I was like, see, I told you he wasn't ready. The next morning, Justin gets up and he pops out of bed and he goes, are we going on Indiana Jones? It's my favorite ride. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Good for you. And I don't know what happened between the two, but then after that, I was like, yes, we are going on Indiana Jones. And he was the biggest fan, and he was the biggest, he was like telling everybody, have you gone on Indiana Jones? It's amazing. You should go on Indiana Jones. God has so much more for us to experience in his kingdom. And there's more to, for you to do but you gotta grow into it. And you gotta trust God when he says you're ready before you think you're ready. That's why it's called a comfort zone. <laughs> you gotta get uncomfortable. And following Jesus and following the plans and purposes of Jesus in your life means that you get, un you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because he's always pushing you a little bit more, but then you're always experiencing more then you get to see some things that you never imagined you get to see. He gets to use you in ways that you never imagined that he would use you. So, God's role is he does all these things, but what is our role in it? Our role, and I'm gonna put it in 
Disneyland theme park verbiage, is the first thing our role to do is trust and follow the map. Trust and follow the map. My husband and I knew Disneyland really, really well because we grew up there. But when we moved over here and we went to Walt Disney World, we had like four new parks and we had no idea. And so what did we do? We followed the map. We pulled it out. Actually, we did something better than that. We called a friend of ours. She used to babysit our boys when they were little, and she worked there. And the first two times we went to Magic Kingdom, she, we had a person that helped us figure out where to go. What I love is that God didn't send you a program. He sent you a person. And that person is Jesus, so that you can know how to navigate the kingdom of God, you have a guide. In fact, Jesus said this about himself in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way. I'm the way. So trust God and follow the map. The second thing is this. Don't try to build and operate a ride. Just don't do it. Does it make sense? No. In the Christian life, is that what we do? Yes, because what we do is that we get in the kingdom of God, and like I said before, I got it from here. I, I'll, I'll figure this out, and we, figure, we think we have to create a good Christian life. Some of us just don't want to let go of control. We're like, I'm sorry, God, you're not operating this correctly. <laughs> I need to do that. If you are tired and frustrated in your walk, in your Christian life, it's probably because you're trying to save yourself, you're trying to do things for God, and you're not letting go of control. Amen. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This life is not what you do for God. It is who you become in a relationship with him. You are his son. You are his daughter. You do not have to get in the kingdom of God and start building things and operating things. It is actually all about surrender, which leads us to the third thing that is our role to play, which is stay in the vehicle at all times. <laughs> you know, when Justin was in Indiana Jones, I made sure his seatbelt was buckled. I put my arm on him to make sure he stayed in because first of all, he couldn't experience the ride unless he was in the ride. Some of you are trying to experience God while getting out and being distracted, by trying to build your life, by trying to figure out how to do it, or maybe, you know, it's really dangerous to get out of the vehicle. That's why they tell you over and over and over, stay in the vehicle at all times. Jesus was talking to his disciples in John 15:5. And he said this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do anything. 
And then he repeats that over and over in that chapter. Remain in me, remain in me, remain in me, remain in the vehicle at all times. Jesus is the vehicle. Jesus is the vehicle. We are to live our lives in Christ. And with Christ in you and you in Christ, you don't leave Jesus at church and go do your job or go to school. You take Jesus with you. Jesus is in you, and you are to remain in him. And then you are now living in the kingdom of God no matter where you are. Stay in the vehicle at all times. The the last thing is this. Share the experience with others. Share the experience with others. Just like Justin was um, obnoxious after he decided he wasn't traumatized from Indiana Jones. He decided that was the best ride he'd ever been on. He told everybody. Everybody we talked to, we got home, and he was telling his grandma and grandpa, Indiana Jones is the most amazing ride. And I know that when I first started walking with Jesus, when he saved me, when I, when I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I had a purpose for my life that was bigger than me, and I could trust someone bigger than me to help me live that, I was obnoxious about it. I told all of my friends, you have to come to church. Have you, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? It's amazing. And they just got so irritated with me. I had a friend of mine that told me, you are more irritating than people who talk about football. <laughs> it's like, I don't mean to be, but I can't help it because you wanna share the experience with others. Whenever we have new experiences at Disney or at Disney World or in my life now even, you wanna share that new exciting experience. I'm pretty sure that the kid on the zip line got down and he had to tell, let me tell you what just happened. Let me tell you what I just did. Let me tell you what I just experienced. Share the experience with someone. That's why we have groups. That's why we have, and staying in the vehicle. Connect, grow, serve, that we talk about at this church. Connect on the weekend, grow in a group, serve on a team, use your gifts. These are all ways to do all those things. Trust and follow the map. Don't try to operate, build and operate the ride. Stay in the vehicle and share the experience with others, because this is what I know. I didn't just share the experience of receiving Jesus and him did feel like he saved my life. The whole trajectory of my life changed and I was was ready for it because I knew that the trajectory of my life was not gonna end well. I was only 18, but I had already been partying. I had already been starting to look for fulfillment in all these things and it wasn't working. I already knew at that point that it wasn't working. I just didn't know what to do until my annoying boyfriend told me he went to church that last weekend and I didn't believe him. And so I went to church to prove him wrong and I heard this message that God loved me, gave himself for me, and had a plan for my life. And not only was I, did I, was I obnoxious about sharing that, but every time God does something in my life, I want to share it with someone. Every time I get in the word, And this amazing word, this is the map also. You want to know who Jesus is? This book reveals Jesus, and Jesus reveals God. You wanna know how God created you to live and what the Holy Spirit does in you? Get in this book. I I would say start in John, the book of John, and then read all the way through. 
because you will know and see what God has for you. And you will know and see how he really does do the work in you. And when you share your experiences with others, it encourages them. It gives them hope. It gives them courage. It makes them brave. And maybe as you step out of your comfort zones, you'll encourage someone else to step out of theirs. That you will be a part of somebody else's journey of putting their faith in Jesus so that they can live the life that he has created to live. So as we wrap up this verse, we're gonna put it all together so it's all in context because it's very important to take verses in context. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to complete your salvation, to not quit in the process with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. How many of you know that takes a miracle? Is it just me? But when you stop and look at this, there's something even more profound in those words, um, do everything without grumbling and arguing, because uh, Paul is actually talking about the children of Israel. And it is more like contradicting, don't, don't um, argue with God about what he's doing in your life. It's about complaining about God's providence right now because the Philippians were going through a hard time. They were facing the darkness. They were getting discouraged. And he says, listen, don't do, I mean, he said, do you do? Do everything without grumbling and complaining against God. Trust God, even when it's hard. Even when you don't see where it's going. Even when you don't know. So that you may become blameless and pure. And pure means like unalloyed, like the metal that is heated up so that all the dross comes to the front so that it can be clarified. That's what, and that's something God does. We don't make ourselves pure, God does it. He says, pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And he's talking about Deuteronomy 34, when the children of Israel who knew God, God gave them everything. They were chosen and they chose to walk away. They chose to go their own way. They basically said, we don't want to. They are called the faithless generation. And I think we live in our own crooked and warped generation. And, but the real, the real heart of it is, is that we want to be children of faith. And we want to continue in this journey and not give up, no matter what is going on. Then you will shine like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. That you are to share your experience, you are got to hold up God. In fact, the uh, hold firmly to the word of life, is a, it is a phrase that means you hold up the word of life. Who is the word of life? Jesus. Look what Jesus did. Look what Jesus did in me, he can do it in you too. And he says, and then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that you did not run or labor, that I did not run or labor in vain. Where are you at now? Where you are in your journey? Where are you on your journey? Have you settled? Have you gotten comfortable? Have you, is it like when we go to Disneyland and we just do the same five things over and over again? 
and there's a whole park there that we haven't discovered because we're just comfortable. Do you know that in the kingdom of God, God has more places for you to go, more people for you to meet, more things to do with him than you can possibly imagine. There is so much more in you than you know. Do you have the courage to find out? Do you have the faith to trust God, to get in the vehicle and go for the ride of your life? It's an adventure that I could have never imagined, but I would have never wanted to miss because it has been amazing. Is it easy? Absolutely not. It's kind of impossible. But Jesus said with God, all things are possible. So when you live a life with God, you come up against impossible things to discover that with him, you can do impossible things. Is God challenging you to grow past your comfort zone? Or maybe you're sitting and you're just sitting on the sidelines and you're just missing it. You're just watching people live around you. When God is calling you today, no matter where you are, no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus or how short you've been walking with Jesus or you're not walking with Jesus, he is calling you to a life that you have yet to discover because it's a new life. You know, Jesus didn't come to give you a better life. He came to give you a brand new one. And I don't know about you, but I was a big relief to me. I was in, I'm ready. Because the one I'm living right now pretty much feels like hell on earth. I would like to discover what it means to live heaven on earth. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the adventure of a lifetime. Maybe your walk with God is like someone who bought a ticket to the park. They bought a ticket into Disney World and they walked in and they saw the, the flower mural of whatever it was and they see the train and they sit down and then they stay all day long and they watch people get in and on the train and they leave and they say, how was it? And you say, well, it's not that, you know, it's not that impressive. I just, a lot of people got on a train because yes, Maybe you received Jesus, you trusted him with your life, but you stopped. You didn't go any farther. You didn't go under the, under the bridge so you could discover the whole kingdom of God and everything that he has for you. Maybe God is calling you to a new adventure and to find out what he really has for you. Maybe you're here and you didn't even know that this kind of life was an option for you. That you really discounted yourself already and was like, God is not gonna invite me into his kingdom. <laughs> like, uh-uh, I got, there's too much past, there's too much there, I know me and it's really, really bad. But I want you to know that this is an option for you because you don't have to buy your own ticket. Jesus bought the ticket for you. He went to the cross to take the Pay payment for your sin so that he could offer you the gift of his relationship with God. It's a free ticket. 
It'll cost you your life, <laughs> your old life. It is about surrender and trust, but it is an invitation to live the life that you were created to live. And if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you can do that today. And you can walk out here knowing without a shadow of doubt that you are a child of God. He has a plan for your life and he will keep pushing you out of your comfort zones. He will change your desires, your actions. His Holy Spirit will come in you and he will transform you by the renewing of your mind. He will do in you what you cannot do. And if that's you, I wanna give you an opportunity. Can I have everyone just close their eyes for a moment? If you're here today and God is pushing you out of the comfort zone, you have a relationship with him, I dare you to jump in. Let go of control. Surrender your life, get in the vehicle and stay there. And then enjoy it and give God all the glory. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, you've never surrendered your life to him, but you know that today is your day, will you do me a favor with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, will you just raise your hand for me? so I can see you and I can pray for you. I see it. Just raise your hand, you can raise it up and put it back down. I see it. I see those hands. I don't leave today without doing it. If you know today's your day, you're done with the old and you want the new. I wanna close by giving you just a simple prayer to join me in saying, how, how do you do it? It's, it's faith and it's trust. But it is as easy as this because Jesus does all the work. Will you repeat after me, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for defeating death and rising again and offering me new life. I accept that new life and I want all you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. If you just said that prayer with me, we want, I want to encourage you to take out your phone and text the phrase KPS to the number 94000. It's a roller coaster, and we want to help you on your new journey with Jesus. And that's just a way that we can get started. If you want prayer, we have people in the prayer room. And have an incredible week being pushed out of your comfort zone. In Jesus' name, we'll see you next week. <laughs>